So, Father, for this time that we have tonight, we're grateful. We are thankful. We are so full of gratitude for all that you've done. As a matter of fact, we're just overwhelmed by your goodness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we keep our minds stayed on you all day long. When the enemy would try to point and say, look, here and there, this is wrong and that is wrong, uh-uh, we set our gaze upon you. Hallelujah. I'm keeping my mind on him all day, all day long, looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so when he brings fear and when he brings doubt, we reject and we replace it with the good word of God. And we replace it with the high praises of God. And we set our gaze upon him. And you know, that is the way. And that is the way to stay in complete shalom, perfect peace. He said in the word of the Lord that I will keep him. I will keep you in perfect peace when you do what? When you keep your mind set on me. Hallelujah. So what does it mean to set your mind on him? It seems set your mind on the word, but also just gaze into his goodness. Behold him. Just behold him and love him. And his presence will overtake you. And his presence will move you to one degree of glory to the next. Amen. You better get used to glory. Because that's where we're heading. <laughs> get used to it. So it won't be such a shock when you get there. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. Amen. Glory to God. Well, look at Romans chapter 4. How many of you know Abraham is the father of all who believe? Amen. He is the father of all those who live by faith. In Romans 4 verse 11 and verse 12, they're going to bring that up here and... I'm loaded for bear tonight. I just don't have uh, all night to preach. So you just believe with me, would you, tonight? Yes. Believe for what these next few moments that need to come forth will come forth. So, Father, we set ourselves in agreement for that tonight. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. amen. And, and so it says in verse 11, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all them that believe. Though being not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Read verse 12 with me. Go ahead. But who also walk in the steps of that faith, of our faith, Father Abraham, which he had yet been uncircumcised. So in Galatians chapter 3, let's look over there again and refresh our hearts with that. Galatians, the third chapter, the sixth verse and the seventh verse says, even as God, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, 
The same are the children of who? Now notice in verse uh, uh, 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law in order that or so that this glorious blessing of Abraham would come upon us. Now notice in verse 29, and if you be Christ, how many of you belong to Christ? Then are you Abraham's seed and you are an heir according to the promise. And then turning over to Isaiah chapter 51, notice with me in verse 1 and 2. Isaiah, the 51st chapter, and we see here in verse 1 and 2, familiar with us in these last weeks. He says, Hearken unto me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock whence you are hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. So what this is basically saying to us, that you and I are cut out of the same rock that Abraham was cut out of. You and I are out of the same faith vein, if you will. And your faith and our, our faith together is more precious than diamonds and it's more precious than gold. Oh, it's precious to God. It is so precious to God that he says, without it, you cannot please me. But I believe tonight that I'm looking at a bunch of faith talkers and faith walkers. I'm looking at some faith believers and faith receivers. Just like Abraham. And so we're looking at the core of where we came from. And we've discussed Several of the steps that Abraham took, the first step that he had to take is he needed to leave his home country. God said, if you will leave your home country, I will give you the next step and I will show you where you're going. So he took that step of faith and that step of obedience. He took other steps of faith that we've talked about. And he was a man that is called the friend of God. Isn't that awesome? You know, the Lord doesn't show us the big things all at once. So he requires of you and he requires of me steps. Everyone say steps of obedience. And you will see in Genesis 12, right through Genesis 22, 23, that you will see that Abraham obeyed God again and again. Now, here's something that we all want to hear. So you got your ears on? The more that he can trust you, the more he can trust you with. I said the more that he can trust you, the more that he can trust you with. If he can trust you to obey him and take the steps, how many of you know there's going to be another step? And when God leads you and guides you, he's always leading you into a great place. The scripture talks about a broad place, a moist place. It talks about a wealthy place. And so let's pick it up tonight in Genesis chapter 18. And notice with me in verse 1. And we'll take a, a look at Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah here for a few moments. 
In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 1, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lift up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran from them. No, he didn't ran, run from them. What did he do? He ran to them. He ran to meet them from the tent door. And Abraham bowed himself toward the ground. This is a sign of respect. This is a sign of honor. And this is a sign of great value. Abraham must have perceived something in his spirit. Now understand this about Abraham. Abraham was extremely rich. I said he was extremely rich. And he was older. Almost 100 years old here. He could have sent out his servants. He could have sent many people out to see what was going on. But Abraham knew that he was assigned by God to run to meet them. Oh, and there is a great, great truth here. There is a, a truth here that we need to understand that our good, good father gives precious things to those that value them. Abraham valued the things of God. And in verse 3 he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I, here's Abraham again, I will fetch you a morsel of bread and I will comfort your hearts. After that, you're going to pass on. For therefore are you come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. And then Abraham ran quickly to the tent. Unto Sarah. Don't you know that Sarah could have had probably a thousand people make the meal? He said, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. They must have had at least 400 employees. In verse 7, And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man. And he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree. And they did eat. How many of you know that these were special guests sent from God? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. We see a picture of the father of our faith valuing and reverencing and respecting these men of God so much that he left everything that he was doing and he ran toward them. Abraham rolled out the red carpet. I believe that when we come to church, we should roll out the red carpet, not for Mark and Brenda Thomas, but we should roll out the red carpet for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We should roll out the red carpet for our holy guest, the precious Holy Spirit. I believe that there is too much disrespect and irreverence in the land today, and it has even creeped into the church. 
where people are texting and people are Facebooking during church. I don't believe that that is the will of God. I believe it's honorless. I believe that when we're here, we ought to be all here. And we should be expecting the King of Glory to speak to us. Expecting the King of Kings to come and settle down right in our midst and do some awesome things. I'm just saying. Pastor Mark, Pastor Tom, all of us must do and be our very best. Here's the attitude that pleases your Heavenly Father. And whether you realize it or not, valuing the things of God is a step. And you've got to put your flesh under and be disciplined to be all in. (laughs) I've just determined in my heart that I'm never, ever going to allow myself to get the big head. I purpose in my heart that I will never, ever get too big are too important to quit running to God and serving Him and His people with all my heart. And I hope that you have the same attitude. I am not here tonight to give you my leftovers. I'm here to speak to you out of my overflow. Such as I have, give I thee. It may not be what you're expecting or it may not be what you're used to, but it's the best that I have. And in verse 9 it says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And she said, Behold, she's in the tent. Verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now understand that Abraham and Sarah are old. Can't you imagine the clinic when they went in there? And she came in to see the doctor. I'm sure it got their attention. In verse 11 it says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? How many of you know the Spirit of God hears what we say within ourselves. I don't think she said something out loud, but the Spirit of the Lord knows the hearts of men. He knows the attitudes of our lives. Now notice, in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Uh, in, In verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which I which I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah backed down. She denied, saying, I, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And they said, Nay, you did laugh. Sarah, at this point, was yielding to fear. But how many of you know and are happy that later she overcame her fear? To her credit, she overcame the laughter, sort of like scoffing, and later had a son named Laughter, which is Isaac. 
And we know that she overcame because the book of Hebrews in 11, verse 11, it says, through faith. Everyone say, through faith. faith. It says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And was delivered of a child when she was past age because, oh glory, this is preaching ground. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. And I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, faithful is he that has called you who will also do it. If you have a promise and you are pregnant with the promise of God, you keep holding on to the promise of God. Rejoice in the Lord your God because your heavenly father is faithful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My God is faithful. There's nothing that you're going through. There's nothing that you've been through. There's nothing that you will ever go through that God will be there on your side. And he is faithful to see to it that you get to the other side. Amen, amen, amen. I mean, when you get your own verse in Hebrews 11, nobody should mess with you. In verse 16, and the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And so we see that Abraham is staying close to the men of God. He went right with them. Now this is very interesting. In verse 17, and the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? In other words, Abraham is my friend. He has proved himself faithful to obey me. And I should not hide anything that I'm about to do. You want to be brought into the innermost council with him? Then be like your daddy. Abraham. Think about it. The master is saying, I want to talk to you about something. Wouldn't you love the Lord to trust you to the degree that he woke you up in the middle of the night and says, I want to talk to you about something over in Asia that's about to happen. I want to talk to you about something over there in Europe. I want to talk to you about one of your children. Hallelujah. Now notice in verse 18, it says, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. See, Abraham knew that he was going to become the father of many nations because God had spoke to him and cut covenant with him and took him outside and said, Look at those stars. Mm -hmm. He said, So shall your seed be. Surely he'll become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. You know, when Abraham heard that, it was a done deal. For I know him, verse 19, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord. It's a good thing when your kids keep the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't mean to brag, but I'm, I'm proud in a good way of my boys. And they're not boys anymore, they're young men. John's how old? 36 and James is what? 30. Yeah, praise God. They're good boys. They're good men. John's just taking a, a, another job right now in Santa Monica, becoming an associate pastor of a great church right down there in Southern California. 
And the thing I love about John, he's true to his inner man. He was comfortable. He could have stayed at this other church for years and years and years. But he's true to the word of God, and he's true to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, he's taking a position where the word of God and the spirit of God move like he does in this church. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Glory to God. And then I was sitting at my computer a couple of weeks ago. I had my warrior's hat on. I get more work done in my office at home than anywhere else in the world, including here. (laughs) And James, you know, man, James, he went through the valley of the shadow of death, but he came through. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why he came through is because of the prayers of the saints. Not just the prayers of mom and dad, but the prayers of the saints. Like we did earlier, he wasn't standing, but today he stands. Don't you ever give up on an in-law or an outlaw. Don't you ever give up on a friend. You just keep standing. So I'm sitting at my computer, and it's FaceTime. Anybody ever FaceTime before? It's FaceTime, and, and James and Esther are there, and little Eden from Sweden. I call her from Eden from Sweden. And he said, guess what? And I said, what? I thought maybe Esther was pregnant again. <laughs> he says, I got, a, I got an email from Phyllis Moore today, and they've just hired me full time. That's awesome. That is awesome. And so he's working with youth. He's working with sound. He's, he, he's, he, he's working in the music area, and he's also doing maintenance during the day. He's a busy young boy. But I thought to myself, thank you, Lord. It brought tears to my eyes. I was so happy for them. It brought tears to Brenda's eye in a different way because she was happy because we won't have to pay us insurance anymore. Hallelujah. She stepped out of the spirit temporarily. But when the Lord sees you're serious about your kids... And your loved ones. And don't you bother whether your kids have come full circle yet. I prophesied to you, your kids are coming full circle. I'm going to say that again. I prophesied to you, your kids are coming full circle. They're coming from afar. They're going to be nursed at your side. So don't you give up. And so the Lord saw this in Abraham. He says, you know, I just know that he's going to command his kids and his household after him. And they're going to keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. See, sometimes when we talk about the faith message and walking by faith, we talk about standing against and standing on and for prosperity and divine healing. But how many of you know you've got to stand on the word of God for your family? So God trusted Abraham. He trusted Abraham because of his faith and because of his faithfulness. And he brought Abraham into his inner counsel. And verse 20 says, And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great. How many of you know that the cry of this world's system is great? You know, when you, when you legalize people to be married that shouldn't be getting married, 
and you legalize abortions, and you have some of the stupid ads like the hat on the Super Bowl Sunday, you see some of that junk, I tell you what, it cries out. And you know what it cries out for? It cries out for judgment. Now notice. He said, because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. Not just grievous, but very grievous. How many of you know there's some people that are, are deceived and they're in sin, and, and thank God many of them are going to come in. But then there are those that are just completely sold out. And not much you can do about them. He said, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is coming to me. And if not, I will know. And so God was looking for someone to talk about this. Evidently, he knew that his friend would talk to him, that he would perhaps even plead the case for Sodom and Gomorrah. And in verse 22, it says, And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood. There it is. What did Abraham do? What did we do earlier in prayer? He stood. And Abraham stood yet before the Lord. In other words, he stayed right there. In verse 23, And then he drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He walked over a little bit closer. He's talking to the Lord. Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner. You don't talk to the Lord like that unless he trusts you. To slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked that be far from thee. And then he says, shall not the judge of the earth do right? <laughs> wow. And the Lord said, if I, okay, if I find 50 righteous within the city, then I'll spare it for 50. Verse 27, and Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes, Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty? Wilt thou destroy the city for the lack of five? And he said, if I find forty-five, okay, I won't destroy it. And then he said, how about forty? <laughs> he said, okay, for forty's sake. And then in verse 30, he says, now, Lord, don't, don't be angry. Peradventure there be thirty? He said, okay, for thirty. And then he said, how about twenty? And he said, for twenty. And then verse 32 Oh, let not the Lord be angry. I mean, his knees are knocking. And I will just say this one time, once again. Peradventure ten be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. And the Lord went his way. And as soon as he had left communion with Abraham, Abraham returned to his place. Listen, I just want you to see this. That Abraham had such a relationship with God that their conversation was affecting nations and cities. And here's something else. God was never angry with Abraham. I believe he was pleased. Abraham must have been sure that there were at least ten. But your good, good father wants to talk to you.
about what he wants. How many of you know how big he is? And what you and I have to be is mature enough to handle what he says. And that takes faith. Now I'm going to close this evening by reading to you directly from the Art of Prayer by Kenneth E. Hagin, my spiritual father, and of course many of your spiritual father. He's my spiritual father. He's in heaven. Just like John L. Thomas was my natural father, he doesn't cease to be my natural father because he's in heaven. He's still my natural father. And I'll tell you, these books by Kenneth E. Hagin on the authority of the believer, these books on the triumphant church, these are timeless and they are priceless. This book, The Art of Prayer, here's what Dad said about Abraham's prayer for Sodom and Gomorrah. He says it's a clear example of the prayer of intercession. He said, this is an important thing we need to note from the biblical account. God mentions a cry that arose from Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 20 and verse 21. And he quotes Smith Wigglesworth. How many ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth before? He quotes Smith Wigglesworth and he says, he said once that there is something about faith that will cause God to pass over a million people just to get to one person who is in faith. Say it with me, look no further. Then he goes on to say, you see, the cry of faith will bring God on the scene. The cry of faith invokes a blessing. The word invoke means to call forth, to put into operation, or to bring about. But then he goes on to say, sin also cries out to God and brings him on the scene. Rather than invoking God, sin provokes God. The word provoke, he said, means to incite to anger, to call forth, to bring on, to stir up on purpose. Sin provokes God and calls forth wrath and judgment. Time and time again, we read where Israel provoked God to anger. And judgment did come. God does not delight, Dad says, in seeing people receive judgment. In Micah, the Bible says that he delights in mercy. Who is a God like unto thee that pardons iniquity and passes by transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He doesn't retain his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. And then he goes on to quote Exodus where he says, Say unto them, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O house of Israel? And I believe that the Lord is even saying to the church something that we're going to read when we close. And he goes on to say, However, if the ones who have sinned and provoked judgment upon themselves do not turn and repent, the only hope for judgment to be averted is someone... Someone to stand in the gap for them. Come on. That's you. And that's me. In Ezekiel 20, he says, 22, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. That's what we're going to do during this time of prayer. We're going to make up the hedge. We're going to stand in the gap before me, before me for the land that I should not destroy it. But he said, I didn't find any. But he can't say that about us. 
Because there are praying churches all over the United States of America. Not every church in America is a praying church, but there are plenty of them. He said, therefore, have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, says the Lord. And he goes on to say, in these verses, we can see that God himself sought for someone to stand in the gap for the land. No one was found. Judgment was poured out. It's important to notice what God's will was in this matter. God's will was that someone stand in the gap for the land so it would not be destroyed. And then he says, we need to equip ourselves with an understanding of God's will when we go before him to make intercession on behalf of others. God's highest and best is that people turn to him and live. And with every breath that I have, as long as I am alive, I am going to be about my Father's business. And I am going, and we are going to keep spreading the net. Harvest includes souls. Harvest includes miracles. Harvest includes provision. We are about our Daddy's business. And here's what John Wesley said. He said, it seems that God is limited by our prayer life. That he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him. And then I thought of this scripture that we were talking about the other day. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14, let me read it to you. If my people, point, point at yourself and say, I'm one of his people. In other words, this includes me. This includes all of us. He said, if my people which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face. Now notice, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and what will he do to the land? Oh, hallelujah. So here it is. Humble yourself, turn from sin. In other words, repent. I'm not asking for you to come to the altar. But if you need to repent, repent. Humble yourself. Turn from sin. Seek His face in prayer. And here's what He will do. He'll hear. He'll forgive. And He will heal. I said... He will hear, (laughs) he will forgive, and he will heal. I don't know who's going to be in the White House in 2016, but I do know that our good, good Father reigneth. And I know as long as we're still here, we're going to be about it. And by the grace of God, with his help, like that television guy says, we're going to get her done. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Stand up and let's thank God for his word tonight. Amen. So I invite you into this season of prayer. I invite you into this time of prayer. I don't know everything about prayer. I'm in many ways a novice about it. I'm growing. I'm developing. But what do you say we grow together? Amen. What do you say we go together? And let's have a time of corporate united prayer where we believe for the glory of God to be in manifestation. Raise up your hands and say, thank you, Lord. 
that I am of my father, Abraham. I walk in the steps of Abraham. And I am blessed with him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you shout one more time? Glory to God. Amen.